We're going to see that, in fact, there are times that God does call us to make judgments about what's going on in the lives of those around us. But he is going to give us three major warnings that we need to heed from that as we're looking at this issue of judging. So dive in with me. Let's read through the text here. We're in Matthew chapter 7. And we're, by the way, did you see we've made it to chapter 7? I laid it out this week. It looks like we're going to finish the Sermon on the Mount the week before Thanksgiving. So we might actually finish in 2020, Lord willing, okay? But here in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to go through the first six verses today. Jesus says this, Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you'll be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you'll be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what's holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs, for they'll they'll trample them under their feet, turn, and tear you to pieces. Now, verse 6 doesn't seem like it's got anything to do with anything. It just kind of seems random, but we're going to tie that in and help us see how this actually fits in with what Jesus is teaching us. So again, this passage is one that is often used by those who are antagonistic towards Christians and say, you know, yeah, we'll throw it back in your face. Well, Jesus said you're not supposed to judge anybody, so you can't say that that's wrong or that this person's wrong or those kind of things. But even if you're not antagonistic to Christianity, you've got to wrestle with what does this mean? You, know, you may have questions about, well, why can we say then that, that certain things are right or certain things are wrong? What, what, if Jesus said I'm not supposed to judge, then how do I handle that? Well, let's try to divide it out into three different things. First off, before we even do any of the the kind of three warnings that Jesus gives us here, I want you to understand it can't mean that we're never supposed to make a judgment call, okay? This this particular passage, like I said, verse 1 gets cherry-picked out of the context. People said, well, yep, Jesus said don't judge lest you'll be judged, right? Well, unfortunately, if you take a verse out of context, then you can make it say whatever you want it to say. So let's put it back in context and let's kind of expand out where it fits in the Sermon on the Mount, what we've been seeing so far, and then try to see what it means in light of what Jesus is saying around it. First off, remember that the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus talking to a group of people. He's got his disciples closest to him and he's outlining for this massive crowd with his specifically his disciples what it looks like to be a kingdom citizen. One of the groups that he has hit over and over again is the scribes and the Pharisees, the hypocrites. These were guys who were all about the external show of religion. They looked really good. They looked really spiritual. They looked really godly. But especially as we've seen in chapter 6, that was only skin deep. They were only doing what they could so that other people would know how special they were, how godly they were. They were trying to impress God and others. And Jesus has been very clear throughout this whole thing, that just doesn't work. So in light of that context, he's giving us one more example where the Pharisees were wrong in the way that they judged. Now, as we're looking at this this morning, though, here's how I know that this can't mean that we're never supposed to make a judgment call about the actions or attitudes of somebody around us. Well, how do we know? Because if you look, he talks about there being beams and splinters. There are real issues in somebody else's eye, we see. Then he talks in verse 6 about not giving what's holy to dogs or tossing your pearls before pigs. Guys, those are not good things. For those of you who have those cute little like house pigs, you know what I'm talking about? Like those little tiny, you know, cute ones. That's not what he's talking about here. For those of you who immediately think of your little fluff ball that is your cute little puppy dog, that's not the dogs he's talking about here. 
He's talking about wild dogs and wild boars that will trample you and they will tear you to pieces, okay? He's talking about scavengers. If you remember, like, in the Old Testament, it talked about sometimes when people would die that the dogs of the street would run out and they'd eat their their body. That's the picture here. So what he's saying is there are times when you will look at people and realize they're a dog or they're a pig, according to God's word. Then we go further into chapter 7, and as you get down to verse 16, it starts talking about false prophets who are wolves in sheep's clothing and how we'll know them by their fruit. And so that means that we're supposed to take a look at the fruit of what especially other teachers are teaching and see if it lines up with God's word. All of those things are judgments. In fact, by our current culture that says that I have to look at you and say whatever you want to do is okay and whatever I do, you can't judge me for that. In light of that, guys, that the Bible says we have to make judgment calls about what's going on around us. We can't just say, it's okay, you do whatever you want. If you notice, we've got mats outside and on the wall here and up on the screen, it's said at different points, our goal is love. And in 2020, a lot of people have the idea that love means saying, you know, whatever you believe, whatever you want to do, if it, if it feels right to you, you just do it. That's not love. In fact, as we go through the warnings that Jesus gives us about judging others, we'll see that contrary to our current culture, There are times when the most loving thing I can do is judge you. Now, we're going to try to support that and make it sense. There's a way in which we judge that's actually God-honoring and that's helpful. So with that in mind, let's draw some warnings out of this text. The first thing is, if you and I are going to judge others, the first thing we need to do is make sure that we are judging cautiously. Judging cautiously. See, the Pharisees, because they were so good and they were so righteous, they thought they were so much better than everybody else, and they had come up with all of these standards that went far beyond what God had put in his word about what was right and what was wrong, and they held everybody else to those standards. So what they would do is say, oh, you don't fast as much as I do. You don't really love God. You don't give as much as I do. Because remember, I I blow a trumpet when I give, and I've never heard you blow a trumpet about how much you give, so you obviously don't love God as much as I do. Judge not based off of God's word, but off of their own standards. Jesus said, be careful when you do that, because when you judge that way, you also will be judged. The hypocrites thought they were above all that. They thought they were better than that. Their outward appearance and their desire to impress God and others tainted their motives, and it never worked to make them right. So here's the challenge for us in 2020 here in the Bible Belt coming up to an election. Okay, can I, can I get real for just a minute here and, and dig in deep? It's real easy for us to look around at other people and say, they're an idiot because they believe that thing. Now, let me, let me establish this clearly. Some people are idiots, okay? Some ideas are dumb and no one should believe them. But before we start issuing those kind of condemnations and putting ourselves in God's place, We need to make sure that we're being very careful about this. See, Jesus said that when we start judging those around us, we're opening ourselves up to judgment. In fact, he said the same measure we use to judge somebody else's actions is the measure that God will use to judge ours. Now, let's put this into practice. How many of you have ever had that lovely experience of sitting at a red light, watching it turn green, And you look up, and what you see is this. All the other lanes start moving, and all you see 
is that lovely, kind driver sitting in front of you with their head buried in their phone or looking down, and, yep, Randy's right. What do you do? Idiot! Come on! Get your head out of your phone! Now, obviously that person is an idiot. They have no right to be on the road. They should have their license revoked immediately. How many of you have ever been jolted back into awareness by that honk behind you? Maybe not on your phone, but it was a really long day at work and you're tired. You've got a lot on your mind because you've got that appointment coming up or you've got that paper that's due next week and you just, and you spaced out for a minute. Well, of course, but I'm not an idiot. They are. Do you see how we apply different standards? We know our intentions. I, I would never intentionally be distracted by my text message or I would never intentionally, you know, kind of not pay attention to what's going on around me on the road. But that person obviously is just an idiot. Now, it's one thing when we're judging other drivers on the road, but guys, when we look at the lives of those around us, those who may think differently than we do, those who may come to different conclusions than we do about whether or not you're supposed to wear masks or what's going on with the pandemic or with the elections and things like that, we need to be real careful that we're not putting ourselves in the seat of God and judging those around us. See, when we make judgment calls... We need to understand that we often extend grace to ourselves and don't extend that same grace to others. They're an idiot. I was just tired. Be very careful when you judge. Because the Bible says that the same measure you use will be used against you. See, the Pharisees thought they'd be fine with that, but what we've seen all throughout the Sermon on the Mount is they missed it. They thought that when God judged them, they would be great because they had done so many good things. But their heart was so wicked, they were so far away from him that they would have failed miserably. So Jesus is telling them, first of all, before you start issuing judgments and condemning others who are living differently than you, you need to make sure you're being real careful and not putting yourself in God's shoes. That you're not holding them to your standard instead of God's. It's hard. It's especially hard now when we've got a world where people think differently, they dress differently, they act differently, they talk differently. They do different things. They like different stuff. We're more aware of it than we ever have been because we put our whole lives out on social media. So we see those things that we didn't before. We need to make sure that we're very careful that as we're judging those around us, we do so cautiously, not stepping into a place that only God can hold. Well, maybe then we shouldn't judge. Well, no, that's actually not true. Like I said, when you look at this passage, You see, Jesus is calling us to make a judgment call that some people are behaving like dogs and pigs. Some people are false prophets. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. Some people are to be known by their fruit that they're not following God. So what happens when I look at somebody's life and they're violating a clear standard from God's word? Well, what do I do when I look at what they're doing and and I'm trying to be, you know, cautious and not rushing ahead of this and I've evaluated and, and seen and it looks like what they're doing is not lining up with what God says in his word. That's the second warning that we see out of this passage. Not only are we supposed to judge cautiously, we're supposed to judge ourselves first. Judge ourselves first. Okay? You start with you. One of the things that I try to do is when I'm going through the sermon and I'm writing it during the week is I try to make sure that I'm applying it to myself first before I start coming out here yelling at you about it. It sure would be hypocritical for me to yell at you and not change my life. 
See, Jesus gives us a very comical hyperbole here, right? He like, overstates it. Look back at verse 3. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Okay? Literally, the word here is like splinter, sawdust, you know, just little minuscule thing. Like Wednesday night during prayer meeting, I looked down at my finger and realized that I had a splinter in my thumb and I was able to use my tweezers and pull it out, right? No big deal. That beam, how many of you guys watch Property Brothers? Okay? Yeah, you can, you can admit to it here. It's okay. It's a safe space. If you ever watch Property Brothers, you know there's that moment when they walk in and they're like, we didn't know this was a load-bearing wall. Yeah, you did. Okay, but we're going to have to buy this $2,500 engineered beam that's going to run through the house so the house doesn't fall down. You guys, you know what I'm talking about? That engineered beam? That's what he said is sticking out of your eye. Okay, so look at the picture. You're looking at somebody else's eye and they've got a splinter just right there in the corner. Now that's something to take care of. You don't want to deal with that. You've got a beam. Like the whole house is going to fall down if you cut this thing, beam sticking out of your eye. So Jesus, go back and read it. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye. Look, there's a beam of wood in your eye. How can you do that? But we do it all the time. Because it's always easier for us to notice sin in other people than it is in our own heart. It's interesting, he kind of uses some parallelism here, but he develops the idea. He said, first, why do you notice the splinter in their eye while you don't notice the splinter in your, or the beam in yours? That's what we have that focus on, and, and you get irritated, because, like, have you ever watched somebody? I had a professor, he was my very first professor in college. It was a Wednesday morning, 8 o'clock class with Dr. Homer Bloss. Seriously, that was his last name, it was B-L-A-S-S, Bloss. And it was... Some kind of history. I don't even remember what it was. The most exciting thing that happened all year long was when he leaned on the podium and it broke. But when he talked, he would get this little like pile of spit that would just bubble up right here. You guys ever had professors like this? You know what I'm talking about? That's the only thing I remember from Dr. Homer Bloss's eight, you know, eight o'clock history class. That and he broke the podium. But Jesus is saying that's what we do. We fixate on it. Like, that's the only thing you can watch. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's all you see anymore. It's like it grows, and it's like the telltale heart and the eye, right? You know, it's a, as you're looking at it, you know, he, he's saying you're focusing on this splinter to the fact that you're not even paying attention to the fact that you've got a beam in your own eye. And you're so ignorant of it that you'll go to try to help somebody else by getting the, the, the splinter out of their eye without recognizing the beam in your own eye. So see, there's this building. It's not, you don't just notice it. You try to help. Now, imagine, by the way, if you had a two-by-four sticking out of your eye, imagine trying to help somebody with a splinter in theirs. You know what's going to happen? You're going to hurt somebody else, aren't you? Yeah, for you to see clearly to help somebody else, you've got to take the beam out first. You've got to get this out of your eye. You have to judge yourself first before you do anything else. We have a tendency to so focus on the sin in other people's lives and we may even try to help them out of it without dealing with it in our own lives first. See, if you and I are going to properly judge those around us, we've got to make sure we're taking a good hard look and allowing God to take the mirror of his word. And as I read through, like right now I've been reading through Jeremiah, one of the most depressing sections of Scripture where you see God time and time again warning his people, if you guys would just do right, if you would just 
honor me by the sacrifices you make, by the way you care for the poor. If you would, I would spare you, but because you refuse to, I'm going to destroy. As you read that over and over again, you got to look and say, God, where's there injustice in my own heart? Where am I blind to what's going on around me? God, where am I sinning and worshiping other things instead of putting you in that first spot? And if I'm not willing to do that, then I'm in no condition to be able to help you with the sin in your life. You've got to judge yourself first. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that you have to wait until you're perfect to ever be able to address sin around you. It does mean that you need to be cultivating a habit of getting into God's word getting alone with him. And like we talked about back when we were talking about the Lord's Prayer and we talked about forgiving us our debts as we forgive our debtors and and that passage of Scripture, remember we said that we need to regularly be getting with God, looking, allowing him to search our hearts, confessing and turning away from sin. And as we do that, then what we're doing as we're walking in, in in, in clear, pure life with God, then we can start thinking about judging other people. Not because we're going to put ourselves in God's place, but our judgment should look very different. So first, we see that we're supposed to judge cautiously. Second, we're supposed to judge ourselves first. So let's say, all right, now, Sean, I've sat down and I have I've allowed God to search my heart. And to the best of my knowledge, I'm not living in unconfessed sin. I've repented of what I know to be wrong. I'm fighting back against my sinful tendencies and habits. And, and I see this going on in somebody's life. How am I supposed to handle it? Well, the third thing we see is that we're supposed to judge helpfully. Judge helpfully. See, when the Pharisees would judge someone, they would say, you're worthless and you're condemned to hell. And they took pride in that. You remember the story that Jesus told about the Pharisee and the tax collector where the Pharisee stood up to pray and he saw the tax collector over there and he said, God, thank you that I'm not like this guy. And he condemned that man for for being a tax collector where it says that the the tax collector fell on his face and asked God for mercy and the tax collector went away justified and the Pharisee went away condemned. See, the Pharisees loved to point out how bad everybody else was. They got a kick out of being the best. They wanted people to know how good they were. They wanted to be up here on a pedestal and on a platform. They wanted to be judgmental. They wanted to be critical and they wanted to condemn others around them. Jesus said, you're a hypocrite, if that's you. Let me meddle a little bit more because I love you. If your Facebook posts, and again, here, I I can say this genuinely, all right? Literally, I have unfollowed everyone on Facebook. Literally. I only still have Facebook because I do things for the church. And so I don't see what anyone posts on Facebook, okay? We're clear on this. So I am, this is not any individual person or anything like that. I have no idea. Talking theoretical, if it's you, that's the Holy Spirit, not me, okay? You clear on this? If the language of your Facebook posts talks about owning the libs, points out how stupid Pelosi is or how stupid Trump is. Whichever side you're on condemns these people to hell. I'd encourage you to back up a minute. See, that's not what God's calling us to do. Guys, I'm not telling you. Hear me clearly. I am not telling you 
to take the light that God's given you and put it under a bushel to hide it. We should boldly and publicly say things are wrong and sinful. You should be able to stand up and say, yes, I am pro-life. I believe that every life begins at conception. God has a plan and a purpose for it. Okay? I believe that it is wrong to be pro-choice. Okay? I believe that, that marriage was designed by God for one man and one woman for one lifetime, and anything outside of that is sinful. Anything outside of that is sinful. Okay? But when I point those things out, I don't do so with satisfaction and glee that somebody else who disagrees might not be walking with Jesus and go to hell. You see the difference? See, that's what the Pharisees did. I want to be like Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, if sinners be damned, I'll butcher the quote. You ought to look it up because it's a lot better than I'll say it. But he said, let them trip over our bodies as they fall headlong into hell with us holding on to their coattails, imploring them to stay. When we boldly proclaim the truth that Jesus is the only way of salvation and apart from a personal relationship with Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection, you are lost and going to hell. That truth should break our hearts. So when we come alongside and say, this is not God-honoring, our goal is not to condemn you to hell and to say, ha-ha, you're an idiot. Our goal is instead to say, look, I see a splinter in your eye. I know I've got beams in mine. I've dealt with that as best I can by the grace of God. Please, I beg of you, I implore you, help, let me help you get that out. See, that's the difference. Jesus says, once you deal with the beam, then you can start helping other people get the splinters out of their own eye. You're not sitting back and saying, ha ha, let all the rest be damned and go to hell. Now, most of us would not be that callous or that honest, but guys, sometimes the way we feel, that's how it looks. Yes, stand for what's right. Yes, absolutely vote in a way that you believe is God-honoring and be proud about it and talk about it on Facebook if that's where you feel like you have a platform to be able to do that. But do so cautiously, judging yourself first, trying to help others see the hope that we have in Christ. See, that's what sets this apart. Jesus said, verse 5, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. There's the expectation that once I've got the beam out of mine, that I will help my brothers and sisters in Christ, especially to be able to walk with Jesus clearly. So there's a responsibility that we have to each other to be able to say, what I see in your life doesn't seem to line up with God's word. Just in case you're wondering about that, by the way, Paul said it very clearly in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, those who judged yourself first, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Yes, if you've dealt with those beams in your eye, help someone else deal with the splinter in theirs. But do so to make sure that the beam's not showing back up in your own. Right? 
Take time to lovingly come aside, alongside. And guys, sometimes that is hard words. How many of you guys ever watched the show, My 600-Pound Life? Don't raise your hand. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> if you've ever watched it, these people are morbidly obese, and it's more fascination that draws us to watch it. But the doctor stands there and says very harsh things to them. If you don't change the way you eat, if you don't change the way you're behaving, if you don't change your activity, you will die. You have a matter of months, maybe years before all of this catches up with you and you will die. And you know what? That's the most loving thing he can say. If I know you're going to die of something, like if if you're standing out here on Roanoke Street and you're waving at me and I see an 18-wheeler barreling down the highway and I just say, oh, cool, hi, and wave back, That's not love. Love screams at you and says, get out of the way. You're about to die. I love you so much that I'll do what it takes. That's judging helpfully. Now, when we do that, we do it with humility. You have to look at your brother's life or your sister's life and say, what I see in your life doesn't seem to match up with what God says in his word. It doesn't seem to line up with how the Bible says we're supposed to live as citizens so i need you to help me to understand what's going on you know what sometimes you figure out that maybe it's a a preference issue and you didn't see things the same way and, and you come down on that other times you realize that there's things going on that you weren't aware of sometimes you do realize though there's sin in this person's life and they needed somebody who loved them enough to come alongside and say this is not okay and i love you so much enough that i'll tell you that our world has no place for this There is no avenue in our culture for us to judge helpfully. But this is what the Bible teaches. That you and I are called to do that. That's what part of being a part of a church is, is encouraging one another to do better, to live more God-honoring. We do this to build up, not to condemn and tear down. We need to care enough about God and others that we're willing to do what we can to help. It may be direct, it may be painful, it may be uncomfortable. Personally, I hate doing this. Absolutely hate it. I would much rather preach last week's message a dozen times than preach this one once. Because I love to encourage. It's hard to stand up and say, you know what, you're wrong. But guys, sometimes that's what God calls us to do. That's where verse 6 comes in. There may be a time when God calls you to, to step back and stop. Don't give what's holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs because they'll trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Remember, in those days, dogs were not cute little household pets. They were working animals at best. Most dogs were scavengers that just kind of roamed the city feral. Same thing with pigs. Jews didn't keep pigs. In fact, pigs were kind of the ultimate symbol of unclean things. So this could have been talking about wild boars or Gentiles taking care of pigs. Either way, it's a bad picture. Jesus said, don't throw what's holy to them or or to cast your pearls before swine, as the King James said it. Some have suggested that, by the way, that Jesus employed kind of a unique literary device here where it says, don't give what's holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or the pigs will trample you under their feet and the dogs will turn and tear you to pieces. It's kind of the picture there because dogs are more likely to turn and tear, pigs are more likely to trample. Anyway, you cut it. The idea is when we speak out about what's true, some may ridicule the message that we preach, the morality we uphold, and the God we serve, and we've got to be ready for that. That's the idea that they'll trample it underfoot. It also says that they'll turn and tear, trample. 
There's times when they won't just go after our words, but they'll come after our character. There are those who so hate God that they'll do whatever they can to see us fall. You have to be ready for that. Here's what's really hard for those of us with tender hearts. This is saying there may be times when you say, okay, I've warned, I've tried to say it, stepping back. Jesus did this with the disciples. He told them when they were going out preaching different places. He told them they were to go to a city, and when they got to the city, they were supposed to try to see if, if the people there would receive the message of the gospel that they were bringing. If they refused to, Matthew ten fourteen said this, if anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. Jesus says there may be a time when we say, okay, I've warned you. I've shared what I know to be true. I've done what I can. Stepping back. Now, for those of us who are tenderhearted, that's really hard to do. Because there is always a hope. If, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose, God can save you to the very last breath. We know he can. But there may be times when he calls you to take a step back. Now, for those of you, who, by the way, who are a little bit less tenderhearted, more thick-skinned, don't run to this too quickly, right? Well, I tried to warn them. That's it. <laughs> Have fun in hell, right? Like, don't do that. Again, Jesus says, step back. Now, here's what's interesting, though. As we judge helpfully, we come alongside people's lives. We say, what I see in your life doesn't seem to line up with what God says in his word, and I want God's best for you, and I want you to honor God as best you can. Sometimes that, like I said, will require bold words. Jesus' commandment, by the way, here, not to throw your pearls before swine, it's not an absolute command. There may be times when God puts you in a position where you have to take a bold stand. And those who hear will trample and they'll turn on you. We saw it with Jeremiah. You look back at Jeremiah's life, when you go through his example, he shared over and over again what God was going to do. People threw him in prison. They left him in a muddy well for a while. It didn't have any water in it. It was just full of mud up to his armpits. That's what he got for serving and honoring God. The dogs trampled him. He died in exile in Egypt. But the question is, are you willing to do that? Well, Sean, I don't think that God would ever ask me. I'm not Jeremiah. I don't think God would ever ask me to go to that length. He very well may. You know why? Because he did it for me. See, the Bible says that I was condemned in my sin. That I, I deserved hell. And the righteous judge who has every right to send me to hell for the way I've behaved towards him loved me so much that he would die in my place. If you're familiar with Jesus' words on the cross, you know there's that time where he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In those days, you would reference a psalm by the very first 
line of the psalm. You wouldn't, like, you know, we say like Psalm 22, Psalm 146, whatever. They didn't have the numbers back then, so you would use the first line as the reference for that psalm. In that moment, it may be that Jesus was referencing Psalm 22. You know what he says in Psalm 22, verse 16? For dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. David was prophetically writing about the God who would stand up and boldly declare truth and find himself hanging on a cross surrounded by dogs who had turned to tear him. He did that for you. Here's what's so incredible. In doing that for you, Jesus was buried and rose from the dead so that now you can have new life. You can be right with God, not because of your own goodness, but because the God of the universe who righteously judges, instead of looking at my sin because of what Jesus has done, he looks at Jesus' righteousness. Jesus took my sin on the cross as he was killed and brutally murdered. And instead, he gave me his righteousness. So now, instead of being condemned before God and justly judged by the God of the universe, I stand free and justified because Jesus paid it all. For my sin. So now I have the right and the privilege not to condemn others to hell, but to say, I am a sinner myself, but I have been saved by God's grace, and I want to see God's grace work in your life as well. Don't judge, lest you'll be judged. Doesn't mean you can't ever say something's wrong. Just when you do, do it cautiously. Start with yourself and come alongside to help, not to condemn. That's God's job.